Well, hello to everyone in the room and to everyone online. We're glad you're here. So we're in this series called Miraculous, where we're exploring the wonder of Christmas, the supernatural parts of the Christmas story. And so last week, Dr. Schnell dove into the fact of how God can do things that are beyond our wildest dreams, beyond anything that we can imagine. And so this week, I want to talk to you about the miraculous nature of who God uses specifically for his work, who God chooses to carry out his mission, which makes me think of gym class, naturally. So I know you were there already, Um, but gym class, you remember the sweat, the awkwardness. For some of you, those were the glory days. For others of you, you've you've looked back on those days in horror. Uh, I'm with you. So that being said, um, you remember the awkward point where you'd get elected as a team captain or you're not elected as a team captain and you're trying, hoping that you're not picked last, right? Well, I can tell you that you wouldn't want me on your team, particularly because my phys ed teacher gave me a prestigious award one year. And much like every other school at the end of the year, each teacher could choose their like star students, right? But I wish they would have like screened it, like asked you beforehand privately, like, do you want to receive this award? Because she calls my name up there and says, Jared Webb is the most improved in phys ed. And like, in any other subject, now maybe it's just me, but like, that's not something you want to get in front of your peers because essentially you were bad enough that the teacher noticed and now you stink a little less, <laughs> right? And I just remember that being so humiliating and thinking now, it's like, what's worse, that the teacher was in on the joke or that she was too thick-headed to see that this was not an encouraging award, okay? So keep that note in your mind. All that being said, you wouldn't want me on your team, but let's think about this scene. Jesus gets picked as team captain. Who does Jesus pick to be on his team? Because if you win, if you want to win, rather, you pick the winners, you pick the best. If you want to win the pizza eating competition, you pick the big boy, right? If you want to win the football game, you pick the meathead. If you want to win the interior design competition, you look to see who's been streaming the most HDTV in their house. And so you can win. You pick the best of the best, fantasy football, the Olympics, corporate success. If you want to win, you pick the best. So let's just see if that's the truth in the Christmas story. Matthew chapter 2. Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that same time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, where's the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we've come to worship him. King Herod was deeply 
disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of leading priests and teachers of religious law and asked, where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem, in Judea, they said, for this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah are not least among the ruling cities of Judah. For a ruler will come from you who will be a shepherd for my people Israel. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. And then he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child. And when you find him, come back and tell me so that I can worship him. After this interview, the wise men went their way. And the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped over the place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother, Mary. And they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasure chests and gave him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. When it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route, for God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. This is the word of the Lord. So in Matthew 2, we see some great players getting picked. We've got the three wise men, the magi. We don't know exactly who they are, right? There's a lot of speculation. Were they kings? Were they the three stooges? <laughs> who were they? But what we do know is that, A, they're called the wise men, okay, and along with that, they seem to have been studying the stars. They were scientists of the stars at the time because it would have taken a trained eye to be able to see all of these anomalies taking place. So they're smart, but also they seem to have some cashola, all right? Because these aren't your average church white elephant gift exchange items. Okay, this is not a Dollar Tree candle or a pixie stick or something like that. We've got gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And on top of that, it's in a treasure chest, okay? So really nice carrying case to accompany that. So they got money, they're smart, but they also seem to have some status because not anybody can get an audience with a king. So they've got money, they've got status, and they've got smarts. So really, imagine it this way. It's like Elon Musk, Neil deGrasse Tyson, and James Webb pooled together for birthday presents for Jesus. So you need smarts, money, and status to be a part of God's team, right? But let's look at who else God uses. Now let's go to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 8. That night, there were shepherds staying in the field nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. And suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified, but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid. He said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. And you will recognize him by this sign. 
you will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. And suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. When the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph. There was the baby lying in the manger. And after seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about the child. And all who heard the shepherd's story were astonished. But Mary kept all these things in her heart and thought about them often. The shepherds went back to their flocks, glorifying and praising God for all he had heard and seen, all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. And eight days later, when the baby was circumcised, he was named Jesus. The name given him by the angel, even before he was conceived. So you got the wise men, and you got the shepherds, which you might immediately be thinking to yourself, okay, shepherds, they have to kung fu off wild animals to protect their sheep, right? So they must have been somewhat athletic. They're like walking all day. They had to be strong. These got to be good picks for the team. But people said, never trust a shepherd. They were considered untrustworthy. And on top of that, they probably stunk, okay, from having to hang out with sheep all day. And thirdly, they were considered unclean because of having to work with the sheep. So no one wanted to be around them. So God picks these all-stars, but then he picks rejects, the untrustworthy. The shepherds. And if we're going to go back to last week, Zechariah and Elizabeth had the whole righteousness thing going for them. But they were old. And they were a disgrace because they had not had a child. And on top of that, we believe Mary was a teenager. So we've got a couple of old fogies, a couple of stinky sheep farmers, and a teenager that God picks to be alongside these wise men. And here's something else to notice. Because how did the wise men get there? They followed the star. God never asked them to come. They, you could say that the Lord asked them to come and the fact that he put the star up, okay? All right. But that's really passive. The only time that the Lord talks to them is when the Lord's trying to do damage control and say, don't go back that way, okay? It's great that you worship my son. Now go over here. And then you look at Zechariah, who's visited by the angel Gabriel. And Mary is visited by an angel. And the shepherds are visited by a whole host of angels. So the people who were not the greatest get the most significant, magnificent recruitment. If you want to win, you pick winners, right? But God picks a couple of old fogies, some dirty blue collar workers, and a hormonal teenager to pave the way for the King of Kings. What a bunch of losers! 
What a bunch of losers. The losers got the red carpet rolled out for them. The nobodies got the VIP treatment. What a bunch of losers. It just doesn't make any sense. Why would God want to pick a bunch of nobodies? Because Jesus could have been born into a rich family, a noble family, that reflected his true royalty. The army could have pronounced or announced his birth rather than a bunch of shepherds. The whole country could have brought gifts to him rather than foreigners. The Christmas story could have been so much better. So there must be something that we're supposed to catch here. Something that the Lord wants us to dwell on. So let's try to digest this for a minute. So theory number one, maybe the rich and the famous, the best of the best, just weren't listening, right? Like you ever try to directly message a celebrity on Twitter, they're probably not going to message you back. Sorry. The rich and the famous just weren't listening. The top dogs didn't want to have anything to do with the Lord, so he had to just deal with the bottom of the barrel. Of course, we look throughout Scripture, and this isn't the case all the time, because there are rich and powerful people who end up listening to the Lord. Sometimes. So maybe this is part of the answer, but not the whole answer. Or maybe God loves an underdog story. You ever think that maybe the reason you love an underdog story so much, like Cool Runnings, Feel the Rhythm, Feel the Rhyme, or Karate Kid, Braveheart, is because God himself loves an underdog story? He gets tired of seeing the same people win over and over again? Maybe God wants the underdog to win. I mean, isn't Israel an underdog story, a slave nation taking over a land that the Lord had promised them? Plausible. Theory number three, maybe God sees something that we don't see. Because scripture talks about how the Lord looks at stuff inside people that we don't. We look at the exterior and the Lord looks at the heart. Maybe the Lord finds the people who have fallen through the cracks that actually have potential and picks those ones up. He leaves the ones that really don't have any potential over here. And he just sees something that we don't. Or maybe, maybe it's just all up to chance. Maybe the Lord's just up there rolling dice and saying, let's who we got to work with today. So maybe it's nothing at all. What's the answer? Why would the Lord pick the losers so often. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, starting at verse 26. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, starting at verse 26. Remember, dear brothers and sisters, that few of you were wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you. Instead, God chose things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they're wise. He chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. 
And as a result, no one can ever boast in the presence of God. God has united you with Jesus Christ for our benefit. God made him to be wisdom itself. Christ made us right with God. He made us pure and holy, and he freed us from sin. Therefore, as the scriptures say, if you want to boast, boast only about the Lord. So I'm going to break this down for you. So Paul's writing to the Corinthian church and essentially is saying, don't forget that you were a bunch of losers. Did you forget your background? Not many of you had nobility. Not many of you had money. Not many of you had wisdom. And so catch that. Not many of you. So that would imply that there are some who are noble. There are some who are powerful. There are some who have money, who have smarts, that the Lord picks. But not many of you were that. Which would mean the majority of who the Lord picks seems to be the down and out, the losers. Time and time again. And you might just think to yourself, well, maybe this is just the case in the Corinthian church, but why is this the case in the Christmas story too? Why are more of the key players at the bottom of the barrel than at the top? The shepherds, the teenage girl, the old couple. That's because God specializes in losers. God specializes in losers. He can pick the worst players and win the championship every single time. Isn't that miraculous? But that still doesn't answer the question why. We know we can see the evidence of the fact that the Lord picks losers, tends to pick losers, but why? Let's go back. I want to read that one part in 1 Corinthians once again. God chose things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they're wise. And he chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. So it's about time you guys heard the fable of the red-toed squatches. In the far-off mountains lay the hidden city of Squatchinapolis. Okay, two kinds of Sasquatch live there. One type of Bigfoot, if you prefer, or two types of Bigfoot, if you prefer. But Sasquatch is a more dignified name, for sure. There was the plain toad or the red toad Squatch, and if you were lucky to be one, it knocked you up a notch. When a Squatch was born, you could plainly see how royally or poorly treated they would be. Red toes went to feasts, while plain toes tended to the beasts. Red toes watched squatch flicks while plain toes made bricks. Red toes had all the fun while plain toes roasted in the sun. All right, enough with the rhyming. And, and red toes had iPhones and plain toes had Androids. Okay? Red, ho red toes were just inherently better. Red toes were the rulers, were the famous, were the rich. If you had plain toes, you were destined to be at the bottom of Squatch society. But one day, a new business came to town. Red Toe Company, or Red Toe Co. 
for short. <laughs> Founded by a Yeti from the north who saw the plight of the plain toes and wanted to help him out. He developed a surgery that would make someone an authentic red toe. And it only cost 50 bucks. So it didn't take long for all the plain-toed Sasquatches to get the procedure done. And soon, we had everyone just being a red-toed Sasquatch. So the genuine red toes were like, well, this is an issue, okay? We can't tell the difference between who's genuine and who's a synthetic red toe, okay? What are we going to do? And soon, plain toco opened for business, and so they're like, all right, we're going to make plain toes the new red toes. So everybody go get this procedure done. You're going to become a plain toe now. And they passed all the legislation to fix it so that it favored the plain toes over the red toes. But the problem was, even though that was a great idea, red toco and plain toco both stayed open. And so the synthetic red toes just went back to becoming plain toes like they had done earlier. And the synthetic plain toes went back to being red toes, and then the plain plain toes became the red red toes, and the plain red toes became the red plain toes until everyone was out of money. And then no one had any money to do the procedure. So red toco and plain toco went out of business. And so there we are, stuck with everybody being who knows what, a red toe, plain toe. Nobody could tell anybody apart. And in the midst of not being able to identify who was who, they realized that toes don't define you. Squatches are squatches regardless of their splotches. <laughs> he chose the things that the world considered of no value to make the smart look stupid. He chose the plain toes to make the red toes look bad, to make the powerful look weak, to make the prestigious look shameful. God wants to correct our thinking. He wants to level those who boast in themselves, thinking that they're better than everyone else in the world. He wants us to see things how he sees things. God wants to reveal the worth of those that the world calls worthless. God wants to reveal the worth of those that the world calls worthless. Now, if God specialized in using people that are rich, smart, and powerful, then he would only be strengthening the narrative of the world. He might get more noticed. He would have to do less work. But he would again be saying that the world's philosophy is the best philosophy. And that's not the case. God had to show that everyone was equal. That regardless of a prestigious job title or what family you came from or what, how much money you had or how much smarts you had, it doesn't matter. What matters is recognizing the divine worth in each and every individual. So God wants to give worth to those the world calls worthless, to the nobodies, to the losers, to the shepherds, the Marys, the Zacharias, the Elizabeths. But he also wants to humble the people that the world lifts up. God wants to humble the people that the world lifts up. 
He wants to give them a correct appraisal. The rich and powerful aren't as great as they think. And so God so often uses the losers and makes them reflect on themselves and realize, maybe I'm not as great as I think I am. But if God only used the losers, then he would just be playing the same game as the world, just in reverse. So he also still does use the rich and the powerful at times. But nonetheless, he specializes in losers, the mistreated, the people at the bottom of the bucket, the people who are suffering, the people that the world have kicked aside. God specializes in nobodies, scumbags, trash, to show that the labels we put on people don't really fit. So, man, I want to tell you a little bit about the good news of Jesus Christ this morning because the gospel is not just about forgiveness, but the fact that God counted you as worth it to die for. to be celebrated, to be loved, to be used in his mission, to be known. God wants to use each and every one of us, but he specializes in losers. The good news is that if you found the world shoving labels down your throat again and again, if you hear the enemy whispering in your ear how worthless you are at night, the good news is that God wants to destroy those labels. Because the more you're a nobody, the more God wants to use you. The more you're a nobody, the more you're a loser, the more God wants you to be a part of his mission. To prove that the world is wrong about you. Isn't that a miracle? The more the world tries to shut you up the more the devil tries to get you down, the more you feel like you've screwed up in life, the more messed up you think you are because of your family, the more crud you've got in your life, the more you can be assured that he wants to use you because the more you're a nobody, the more you're a loser, the more you're a shepherd, a Mary, a Zachariah, or Elizabeth, the more God wants to use you. The more the world is stacked against you, the more the Lord wants to stick up for you. If you're a nobody, God wants to show you that you're somebody. If you're a nobody, God wants to show you that you're somebody. Because he didn't come for the righteous, but for the unrighteous. He didn't come for the healthy, but for the sick. He didn't come for the accepted, but the rejected. God specializes in losers. Because there are those of you in this room who might have accepted Christ as your Lord, but you still think you're not good enough to be used by him. I can accept the forgiveness, but I'm too messed up to be an effective tool for the Lord, to be a part of his story. I'm just too much of a loser. But David was an adulterer. Moses was a murderer. Isaac and Peter were liars. Rahab was a prostitute. Mary was a teenager. Paul tried to exterminate Christianity. Ruth was a foreigner. And not to mention, did Jesus pick the most prestigious of men to be his disciples? And the real kicker is, Jesus himself is rejected by the world. Jesus saved the world by becoming a loser. 
God isn't looking for you to be perfect. He's looking for your availability. So I'm going to invite the worship team up this morning. We're going to have a time in response. God specializes in losers. And this is a truth that's especially close to my heart. And when I say this, I'm not saying that I've arrived by any means. But I've often reflected, Lord, after all the things I've done, after where I come from, why would you ask me to do what I do? Why would you count me worthy enough to be a part of your mission? It doesn't make any sense because so often I listen to the lies of the enemy. Jared, you're not even legitimate. Your parents weren't even supposed to be together. They're divorced. Jared, you're just from a small ho-dunk town, Colon, Michigan. Who cares what comes from there? You're a chubby, lazy-eyed nerd. Nobody wants to use you. Why would God use you? But I feel the Lord say it you're worth it to me, that I specialize in losers, that what the world says about you isn't true, that I've had a plan for your life, and I want to make it a reality. I want you to become the person I've always imagined you to be. Good news is I specialize in losers, Jared. The more screwed up you think you are, the more disqualified you think you are, the more rejected you feel by the world only increases the chances that God wants to redeem you for his glory and wants to use you as part of his mission. Are you a loser? A reject? A scumbag? A nobody? A shepherd? An Elizabeth? A Zachariah? A Mary? God wants to use you. And here's an important distinction I want you to catch this morning because I'm not actually calling you losers. I don't actually believe that about you. But as the label the world calls us because they have their values flipped on their head. But at the same time, when the Lord asks us to be used by him, that doesn't mean we get to keep living in the same fashion as we did in the world. We have to align ourselves with him. But nonetheless, today, Jesus is hiring nobodies. Are you willing to put your application in? Because the good news is that worse, the worse your resume is, the better. He wants to use you. The question is not whether or not he will. The question is how. Do you believe that? So again, I'm talking to the people this morning who might be thinking, how could the Lord use me? I'm too screwed up. I'm, I feel like I just accept the forgiveness to get into heaven, but I have no hopes of doing anything effective or, or holy in this life. That's a lie. And so the altar is going to be open. We'd love to pray with you this morning. But let your coming to the altar just stand as a sign to the Lord. Lord, I'm putting in my application. Lord, I believed that I was a loser. Lord, I believed that I wasn't good enough, but I want to be used by you. I'm making myself available to be a shepherd, to be a Mary, to be a Zachariah, to be Elizabeth. Because I'm going to tell you who Jesus picks to be on his team. The most improved phys ed player. Okay, weakling and scrawny Dino. Tubby and slow Oliver, loudmouth and obnoxious Beatrice, crazy-haired, emo, violet. 
and he beats Lucifer every single time with a money ball of a team. The altar is open. Are you willing to put in your application to say, Lord, I'm a loser, but I'm making myself available to you to put yourself among the shepherds, the teenagers, and old fogies. Can you turn in your application this Christmas? Come in as you feel like.